everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the first podcast that we're hosting with Driven 2. And uh, I have to say, off the bat, this is not my podcast studio. Uh, today's guest is honestly the perfect guy to interview because he's not only a businessman, car enthusiast, but he also has a pretty big role in the social media space, and we're using his studio today. So without further ado, welcome Adam Ivey. What's up, man? I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thanks for coming and visiting. This uh, this set is this is like an early on behind the scenes sneak peek. We've been building this space for the last few months, and we just have a couple extra touches. We're like, hey, why don't why don't we just jump in and uh, give it a spin? So thank you so much for Absolutely, you know sitting man. down and uh, you know telling some stories. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you haven't really even used this, right? We're breaking it in today. Absolutely, yeah. So it, this man. space, we have an upcoming podcast called the Market Your Music Podcast, where I teach music creators how to how to build their brand, how to turn a fan base into an income, um, and how to try to do it sustainably long-term, right, and actually turn it into a career, not just a side hustle. So the Market Your Music podcast will be held here. I'm sure there will be some changes over time with the lighting and stuff like that. But, yeah, we're uh, this is the first time it's ever being used. So, hello. Nice, nice, Thank nice. you for being here. Yeah, I mean, this is a badass setup. So, um, I mean, look, guys, without further ado, let's just get into his story because – I'll be honest, I'm going to hear all this the first time with you guys. I have no idea what his background is. I do know he has one badass Lamborghini. Uh, I know that he's been into cars for a long time, such as myself, and I know he also does really well in terms of the businesses he owns. I've followed him on social media for a long time, but I don't really know where he started, what he does, how he does it, and so uh, please go ahead and, start, if you can, start kind of from at least your your childhood or teenage years sure. so I can see the come up. Sure, yeah. So I grew up in a uh, upper, lower class, lower, 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 middle class, uh, blue collar household in central Wisconsin. I have two little brothers. Um, mom and dad got divorced when I was 14, 15 years old. So you go through all that. I was a horrible student in high school because I was always trying to hustle and make money. I had a paper out at 12 and a half years old all the way to 15 and a half and then pretty much worked up until this point in my life. I was so worried about getting home and then getting to a job or doing some type of hustle where I could make some money mm -hmm. that I didn't do great in high school, uh, and that's why my license plate says bad GPA on the back. I actually never noticed that. Yeah, that's so it's, it's, it's kind of that's an good. inside joke between myself and a uh, guidance counselor who said, Adam, I don't think college is for you. You got a really bad GPA. I don't think mm -hmm. anybody will bring you in. I'm like, okay. Shout out to Mrs. Tokarts. Um, so <laughs> what was the GPA? 1.7. Okay. Yeah, 1.7. Right. So, um, ish, ish. I, it mm. might have been 1.8. I might be exaggerating slightly, but um, yeah, <laughs> not good. <laughs> under two. Yeah, under not, two. yeah, definitely under, under two. two. Okay. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, I was working in a wood window factory for about four years after high school because I found a factory job that I actually really liked. Mm. I went from being summer help to being a lead person and having a team of about 30 people under me, which was always weird because everybody on my team was like late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And one day around the, let's just call it around the water fountain area, uh, one of the higher ups came and was like, hey, how does it feel to kind of be maxed out already at such a young age? And that was supposed to be a compliment, but it scared the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. um, and so around that time, I had met, you know, one of my best friends in the world, uh, DJ DeVille, his name is Zach. He got me into music production. And I said, you know what, if I want to learn how to do this thing, I'm going to need to kind of go all in. Otherwise, I'm just going to dabble in it. So um, took the money I had from the job. I was working 70 or 80 hours a week, stacking it all up because at the time I didn't have any credit card, didn't have a car payment. My rent was $3.99 a month. So I had a decent, decent chunk mm -hmm. in the bank. Um, 
and then I sold the motorcycle at a 2001 CBR uh, 929RR. A beautiful bike. Still, mm-hmm. I love that bike. But I sold it, bought everything I needed to kind of take the music production thing a little bit more seriously, and then just lived off that money. Just work. I don't want to exaggerate. Maybe 12 hours a day trying to figure out how to use this beat software. And through what I what happened was I started in my apartment. Then my buddy who had a four-bedroom house, and he's in his 20s. He's renting out all the rooms, and he's like a brother to me. Zach, who I just mentioned, was living with my friend. And so I asked my friend, I said, hey, can I move into one of your rooms? And he's like, oh, absolutely, that'd be great. So even less rent, now living down the hall from a guy who was, you know, I was selfishly using him as a mentor to teach me how to make beats and get feedback from immediately, hey, what do you think of this? And it was really cool because I quickly understood his workflow, and then he would give me tips right away in okay i'm going to do this uh, a little bit better incrementally quicker because i'm spending so much time doing it just like obsessed with it and then getting to know zach a little bit more he went to school down here at full sale and he's like oh you'd love central florida uh you know it's such a great place they love people from the midwest because we have great work ethics he totally sold me on it Mm -hmm. so without ever being in florida ever i never visited down here we never went on vacations or anything like that to, to especially to florida um i packed up everything i owned in a 1994 nissan altima was that your first car you owned no no that was oh, probably okay. like the 20th Jesus, probably, yeah okay. I, I could talk about that too yeah yeah um, I, okay how old were you at the time uh 21 i think 21 so you owned 20 cars <laughs> leading up to the age of 21 yeah yeah well i mean to be fair in high school, I flipped so many cars. Likewise, I would build okay. it, flip it, build it, flip it, build it, flip it, or just detail it. Mm-hmm. If it, if the dash was messed up, you refinish the dash. You replace the carpets, like whatever it took to take a $1,400 car and be able to sell for $3,400 yeah, yeah. Um, or something like that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's why I had so many cars. My dad was a mechanic in the military. My grandfather was, like, a hobbyist mechanic, a master carpenter. So I was always working with my hands. And so moved to Florida to pursue music full-time. It didn't work right away. So I I got a job. uh, I was a shipping manager at a wire rope and rigging company for a while, living out of a garage apartment that a mutual friend had. This is a long, convoluted story. But what I'm getting at is by 2009, I had worked for this company for a while. Lost my job because of the, the recession at the time, 2007 to 2008, the housing crisis recession caught up to that company. They fired like 15 people very maliciously. They denied them unemployment. They just, they said that everybody quit or was doing this and that. It was, it was bad. And I'd been making a little bit of money with my music and I'd been doing all the graphic design work for not every club in Orlando, but it felt like that probably five or six clubs. So I had enough income where I said, I really trusted this company. I thought I was going to work my way up. Now it's kind of, you know, God or the universe or whatever saying like, this is your chance to just go all in, bet on yourself. Even though I didn't have any money, I had plenty of time. So I said, okay, I'm making, I don't even remember, like 1200 bucks a month or something doing a little bit of music, you know, sold a beat here and there, doing graphic design for Friday night, Saturday nights, you know, white party, black party, all these different, you know, uh, foam parties and all these different things. And, and I had a great network and luckily networked with a few club owners that knew people in the music industry and interned at a studio for free for, it wasn't even that long, maybe 
10 weeks. And that was all self-taught, the yeah. graphic design? Yeah, it's wow. all, and that started thanks to DJ DeVille as well. He's like, mm -hmm. hey, uh, I know you have Photoshop. It was like PS4 or PS2 at the time, right? Okay. It was like early on. I had like a burnt copy on a CD that somebody gave me. He's like, hey, I need an album art for like this remix I did. I'm like, oh, like, sure, I'll see what I can do. And then that led to doing better and him giving me feedback. So like right. a lot of what I do now, it's funny because Zach is on the team. You know, I get to work with, he's like a brother to me, get to work with him full time at the marketing education business. But um, that doesn't happen unless all the music stuff happens. So quickly, did music full time from 2009 till about 2017, 2018. Long time, yeah. But I went legally deaf in my left ear in 2016. It's like me, it, wow. it, it, it fizzles between 15 and 40%. And that, that might be like exaggerated numbers on the 40%, but like it's always muffled. If you ever are talking to me and I'm going like this, it's because I can't hear out of this ear. So that's why when I'm walking next oh, to my wow. wife, when I'm talking to you guys, I always try to stay just like subconsciously now. Um, but I grew up pretty poor, pretty poor. So like even making six figures selling music online, I was always afraid that if I have a bad month, if you know I'll become irrelevant, I'm going to be broke again, like hated it. So to have benefits and to you know make a little bit more money, I'm like, I can do this marketing thing because I had several people that I had helped with like small businesses with their WordPress websites when I was hustling or I'd write what is now known as copywriting. But at the time, I just I'm like, I'll just write clever, catchy things that'll get people interested right. in your veterinarian's office. You know, I didn't even know what the terminology was. And that led me to corporate marketing for almost 10 years, a little over 10 years, actually. Um, executive level, team, the whole nine yards, which was great. And I thought at in 2016, I thought about completely walking away from music. And then unbeknownst to me, my YouTube channel that I had been making parody videos and product reviews started shifting into an occasional help video because people would ask me questions in email. And it's like, I was sick of just admittedly, I was like sick of answering the same question. So I'm like, let me just make a YouTube video. Hey, yeah. you know, check this video out. I, I did something like that. Check this yeah. video out, see if it helps. And that helped. And then people started finding me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like helping producer friends that are still killing it. I'm helping them with their marketing and helping them with their branding and their positioning and how they're interacting with people, what, what we call outreach. And friends of friends started reaching out to the point where I didn't have time. And then one person finally was like, hey, how much do you need? to help me like how much can i pay it, it didn't really go down that way if, if i'm being completely honest he messaged me with like 18 paragraphs of stuff and i'm like dude i i can't answer all this and i've been going back and forth with you but i right. this is going to take a whole lot more than an email response and then he was like my first client in a like a mentorship uh ongoing consulting type of uh way and then in helping people one by one i knew that there was patterns and it was like i, I can make a whole program so Long story, not so uh, short. Short story. Short story long. Yeah, shout out to Drama. Bring the podcast back. Short story long was like one of my favorite podcasts. That was actually a really so good, good podcast. Yes. And now, I mean, he's doing group chat now. But anyway, that's neither yeah, yeah, here nor yeah, there. No facts. That's so shout out to Drama. He sent me a pair of Gary Vee shoes like a few years ago. I still have them. They're size, Did he really? Yeah, 10 and a half. What the hell? I wear nine and a half. They're too big. They look like clown shoes well, you, on me. You got to help us get a Drama on the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that. So... Um, I started helping people, long story short, turned into a seven-figure marketing um, education business where mm -hmm. I help creatives. I'm no longer in the corporate realm because I care about the people. I care about the music space. I care about people that want to build a brand and do 
not necessarily exactly what I did, but all the mechanics are there. So I teach all the foundational marketing, and then I teach tactics, strategy, frameworks, systems. That'll turn it into a real business and instead of like a short-term spike where they have a cool summer or they make some money, try to turn it into a sustainable right. business. That being said, I also own a platform for music producers to sell their beats online called thecharts.com. Uh, I have a nonprofit organization called the Adam Ivy Foundation that benefits underprivileged children that wanted to be creative. Awesome. It's a real creative name with the Adam Ivy Foundation. I couldn't I like think it. of anything. No, I, like I couldn't it. think of anything I else. I like it. I like it. I like it. But Good um, for you. Th- that's picking up a little bit of steam slowly, very slowly but surely. But we, we have some creative partnerships that are on the horizon. And then um, we have the laser engraving, uh, the laser engraving. I, it's a laser tech company. So I founded a laser tech company called Unified Laser um, that sells laser engraving systems and solutions to a multitude of different industries, including uh, jewelry, tactical, medical. But, you know, that's something that we don't talk about that much on social media because that business allows me to be behind the scenes and just do the marketing rather it. than being the spokesperson or whatever. And right. it gives me variety in, in terms of time management's an issue sometimes, but it gives me a variety. If I don't want to do X, Y, Z, I can do something else for a little pocket of time and keep my, sure. keep inspired, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And let, let's touch on the YouTube real quick. So sure. I, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of not checking out your YouTube videos per yeah. se, but I, I have seen that your YouTube channel has a couple hundred thousand subscribers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, two two eighty something. Yeah. Which I mean is good. So when did you start your YouTube channel? And, and, how long would you say it took for it to actually start gaining steam and taking off? Because I, I can tell you right now, I started a YouTube channel, oh, if I had to guess, probably seven, eight years ago. Wow. Um, and I, I mean, I was consistent for maybe like four, five, six months, six years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I gained a whopping four or 500 uh, subscribers, which I was proud of at the time, right? Mm-hmm. One of my videos, I think the best one, it broke like 10,000 views, whatever. Um, but it definitely moves very slow at the beginning. Yeah. So I always am like really curious to hear if you had one video that went viral that kind of propelled you or was it just actually grinding for like a couple of years to grow? Yeah. So it took me eight years to hit 50,000 subscribers and it took 18 months. To How many years? Eight years wow. to hit 50,000 subscribers and then wow. 18 months to add an additional 150,000 to that. Wow. Yeah. So, um, just a slow grind, trying to find my voice, trying to figure out who I was, trying to figure out who my audience was. I've done everything from parody videos, which are fun. They're a little cringeworthy now, but they're fun. Um, that went viral. I mean, my sixth, sixth, seventh video ever on YouTube went viral. That's so like, good. that's good, but it's a complete mind uh, cluster F, you know what? <laughs> because you're doing all these videos that are getting just a few hundred views mm-hmm. if you're lucky. And then you do a video completely out of character, yeah. doing something that you don't really necessarily want to do long term. It's just something you're having fun you with. Fall in that trap. Yeah, yeah, I got four four point two million views in wow. like six weeks or something on my channel. And uh, shout out to Will Hatcher, Willonius. He's the one who shot the video. And is in it, it, I was like a bartering guy. I had no money. I'm like, hey, you could post it on your channel too if you help <laughs> me direct this thing. It's so uh, we shot it on like an old Canon. 70 or something like super old full frame camera and uh got kicked out of like several mcdonald's because it was a parody about mcdonald's and then i tried to cycle out of that by doing more beat making videos and random whatever i could think of more parodies along the way but lightning never struck twice and i finally came to a conclusion i'm like what do i want to do 
and do I totally ditch this channel or do I just say, you know what, this is who I am now. Maybe archive some old stuff and then move forward. And that's kind of like what I did because I was making beat making videos and behind the scenes stuff. And I was working with rappers and stuff in terms of ciphers, like contests, essentially. Like here's the instrumental, do something on it. And I pick a few winners mm -hmm. and that was cool. But I think the, the thing that really opened my mind was like when I started helping people and I started doing product reviews where I could just be honest. And then you start getting emails from companies that are like, Hey, you, we want you to, you know, uh, review our stuff. And I'm like, you know, you're going to, you're going to send me free stuff or pay me for that. And then, you know, it's just finding the pocket that you're really passionate about mm -hmm. because an education channel. So an education channel on YouTube, right? It's a different than any type of entertainment channel because the better you do, the less those people are going to watch. You know in, what I mean? In what sense? Better you do... If you want to learn how to make a birdhouse yeah. and you find my channel and I, make, I teach you how to make beautiful birdhouses, you probably subscribe to my channel. But mm -hmm. once you know how to build a birdhouse, you're not going to watch my videos anymore. So that's oh, why the... Oh, you, okay, right. okay, okay. So yeah, that's yeah, why the subs that, yeah. continue to go up, yeah. but the, the channel averages stay the same with a home mm -hmm. run once in a while. Mm -hmm. So I'm out there to help people on YouTube for free uh, that are just getting into music or are feeling very stuck and need a little bit of momentum, mm -hmm. need to figure out how to make some progress. And then either they go into one of my paid programs or they figure it, you know, figure they don't need me to be successful. I just help them become successful faster. Right. Usually depending on a lot of different variables. Um, but that being said, you have to be okay with that because you'll have a video that does 50,000 views in under a month. You're like, Oh, this is awesome. Then the next four videos do 5,000, mm -hmm. but that's 5,000 people that yeah, need help that true. hopefully you're helping. So the YouTube thing is, is very, uh, interesting. The great thing is you can shift and we're working with more brands and, uh, kind of exploring that side of the business now. And I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's, we really use YouTube to just help people instill confidence in them, figure out oh, this is my perspective is screwed up. This is why I'm not growing or my perspective might be screwed up. This is why I'm not able to work with these people or I feel stuck when I'm really not. And then you give systems to where somebody that goes from, let's say, 100 followers on any given platform to 1,000, well, yeah, you're not going to be doing music full-time per se off that, mm -hmm. but you're you're seeing how to grow. You're, you're seeing how it, it, it starts taking off. It's like if you and I had a T-shirt shop and I'm like, okay, we, we, we're not busy, but we have one customer coming in a day that builds the hope and that builds the faith and that builds the confidence that we just need more of these people because we're satisfying and we're really, uh, what do you want to call it, really delivering and delighting the people that are coming in. Right. So that's really the YouTube stuff is kind of beginner to early on intermediate. Then I have a, a program that'll take you to more so advanced. And then I offer a very small group of people I offer um, a mentorship program where they come and they sit with me and the team and we look through everything. It's kind of half done with you, done for you, whatever that looks like, where now it gets to an advanced, like we are communicating every day. We are doing this as a team to really try to squeeze as much juice out of the orange as possible and get you to the point where they don't longer need me because right. we instilled that understanding right. of marketing, psychology, systems, frameworks, automations, all that stuff to where now one person can either build out their own team or use different software integrations as a team. So are you also um, trying to push the YouTube channel still and grow it in oh, the yeah, sense? Of yeah, of course. Yeah, because, I mean, my advice 
if you want to take any, sure, sure. is uh, you're an interesting guy. I mean, yeah. you have a lot going on on a day-to-day basis, right? You offer so much uh, knowledge for free on YouTube. I feel like maybe I'm just old, as we were talking about <laughs> earlier. I'm an old soul. I don't know. but I And I know vlogging is technically dead, but I really do feel like a lot of people still are interested to see the back-end thing sure. or back-end side of things, right, for people who do well. So maybe you could also start a, a little uh, category on your channel where you are doing once a week vlogs or giving people a little inside scoop into your awesome, you know, uh, office here and, and everything because it, it's nice to kind of see that side of things too and see sure. that you aren't just this super smart guy who knows how to do everything but more or yeah. less that you're just a chill dude on the back end too, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people think that I'm trying to be like this guru on, mm-hmm. on YouTube, and I'm, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. genuinely not. I mean, I'm trying to teach people what works. Right. And so the the aspect of showing the business side of things, that's why we're launching the podcast, to be able to talk okay, a little bit more sense. behind the scenes. Yeah. And and really, you look at the time-cost ratio, being able to vlog, I personally don't have the time to do the edits anymore. So either somebody on my team, whether it be Chico or Zach or whoever, would have to do those edits. And so you're wondering... Does it make sense for me to now vlog or have somebody come in maybe once a week like a Dylan? I, Shout out to Dylan. I was going to say Faster Media. I think yeah. I know a guy. Yeah, yeah you got to yeah, check yeah, out yeah. Faster Media on Instagram. That's Fast R Media. One of the best to ever do it. Uh, Agreed. You know, 30 under 30, we're talking about somebody that's going up the ladder quickly with quality, quantity, yeah. and a Hollywood smile. Anyway, yes, sir. when what we're talking, <laughs> he's, he's standing behind the camera right now. <laughs> so just just off camera is the, the camera camera extraordinaire. Um, shout out to Dylan, but I would need somebody yeah, like a Dylan, absolutely, to be able to follow come you in around. You do your daily document thing. it. You yeah, know, I, it. I know that we we all know who like uh, Gary V is with D Rock and everybody else on his right. team that just follows him around. So I'm not saying I'm on that level by any means, but right. between maintaining a healthy marriage having dogs, you know, mental health, businesses, all that stuff, uh, rallies on occasion. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where I want to be able to share as much as I can and inspire, educate, entertain. It's just like how do you do that all within a pocket of time while it, yeah. helping hundreds if not thousands of people, right. you know, with, with, with their stuff. So I always yeah. say, you know, I, I would much rather impact 10,000 people to make a little bit of money with their music to show them that it's possible than to do what I used to do and sit in front of my computer for 18 hours a day making 100, 150, 200. Like I only had a couple of years, over 200,000 uh, selling beats online and working mm-hmm. with artists. And it can be taxing, man. I'm 37 years old. Like, I was the, wondering how old the you young, were The young man, you, you know, some people, the funniest comment I get on my YouTube is they're like, I don't know if he's, if he's like 20 or 40. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I think the grays are coming in to where now it's leaning on towards that 40. Uh, but Young. Yeah. Super young. But the thing is, everything that I've gone through in my life, all the adversities, all the decisions, all the ups, the downs, the shit that you crawl through, like, it, it builds character. And you can, you know, as it's, it's cheesy as it is, you can either be the hammer or the nail. Mm-hmm. And, and it's up to us to figure out which one we want to be. Recently, I heard a quote that was, um, there's a huge difference between knowing and learning. So many people that I talk to on a daily basis know everything, mm-hmm. seemingly, but they don't learn anything. It's so like life is that learning lesson to give you the opportunity for different opportunities. And I personally think that music is a stepping stone for most people 
but most people want to think that music is the end all be all. Okay. Like I took my money and I made investments. I started other businesses. And now I'm helping people. Granted, mm-hmm. with the hearing loss, it kind of I'm not gonna say forced me because there's plenty of people out there that that yeah. have, you know, what the drummer of what Led Zeppelin or something only has one arm. I did not. Don't know quote that me either. on that. I I I don't think that's right. But maybe Metallica. Who knows? Something like that. If you don't mind me asking, sure. uh, about the hearing loss, was yeah. that from? What was that? It from? wasn't from music. People are like, oh, you shouldn't listen to music too loud. I agree with that. Protect your hearing. But um, I, I, every single year since I moved down here from Wisconsin, I've gotten bad sinus infections. Uh, I have a deviated septum. And it was, it was nothing new. Mm-hmm. Sinus infection. And then I started having pain in my ear. Both ears. Mm-hmm. Pain in both ears. Turned into an ear infection. Took steroids and Z-Pack or whatever they gave me at the time. Cleared up. Kind of. But like less than six weeks later, it had come back worse. And it got so bad that the pressure in my left ear was like unbearable, and then it just this, the pressure disappeared. Mm. But th- there was still pain. My eardrum had ruptured in my left ear, which the healing process had uh, calcified my eustachian tube. That's technically what the what the Doesn't doctor told good. me. So what it is is a tube from your eardrum to again, I'm not a doctor, never claimed to be. It's the tube that goes from your eardrum, kind of like to your receptors, to like what makes your brain hear, and that's calcified real bad so like the uh i don't want to be gross on here uh, all the residue of the things that were healing in the ear hardened plugged it up completely and through the steroids they were trying to clear it up which it did work a little bit and it's better now like i said but i always tell the story when i'm laying down on my right side and my wife's talking to me <laughs> and the only ear that's available at the time is my left ear. It just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher's like, wah, 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 wah. I'm like, oh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love you, babe. So now she, my, my wife knows that I'm a, I'm a pretty good with your fingers. You can hear like, it's just like, I can't hear it at all in this ear. Not even a little bit, not even a little bit. Oh. So like, it just is completely mute. I have even, even snapping is like muted, horribly muted. So, um, something you deal with. I'm not trying to be a martyr by any means, but that's just that's what kicked me out of saying, am I going to do music for the rest of my life? Do I want to do music for the rest of your, mm-hmm. my life? And that's another thing that I think people struggle with. If you did something successfully for how many years, why wouldn't you do it the rest of your life? Yep. If you're a bodybuilder for so many years, why wouldn't you do that the rest of your life? There comes percent. a point where as humans we have seasons yeah, and we shift our interests. Yeah. There might be a day where I don't give shit about supercars i'll always love vehicles mm-hmm. always love cars but like interests change yeah you see that all in all, all the time with people getting fit with people different diets with people traveling to different places life is all about variety and if you have opportunities a and you're not a one-trick percent. pony why not a thousand and I, let me touch on that real quick so i resonate with that so much because of the fact that you know i as i told you i started a personal training business from scratch well, I've been a personal trainer now for over a decade. I turned 30 this year, yeah. which is ridiculous crazy, to you say. Look great. See, it, you look great thank for 30. You, thank you. Not that's, a day over 28 and a half. Listen, man, I got seven years to make it to your level, so that's, that's a lot of pressure. But no, You got a lot of runway, man. Uh, well, thank you. So, yeah, you know, I, I was, I've, I've been personal training for a decade now, and I moved to San Diego at 21 years old. Uh, and started a personal training business from scratch, essentially. That's awesome. Struggled through for a good three years, like, burning through my savings account because, I, you know, I was working at all these corporate gyms and, and like, making pennies on sure. the dollar. Um, and long story short, 
finally I branched out, hit a few different little private studios, and then started doing my own thing. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. Every day I woke up so excited to train to, you know, make, in my eyes, good money. Yeah. And after about five years of doing it, I finally hit six figures. And, and you know, at that point I was, what, 25, 26. So, yeah. I mean, that was pretty exciting, you know, hitting six be. figures, working for myself. In like, San Diego? In San Diego. Okay, so that's like making a million dollars here. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Like vice versa. Yeah. San Diego it's is like, like super it, expensive. Yes, yes. So, yeah. I mean, you know, at the time I didn't own a house. I was you know, renting with my ex and all this stuff. And so the lifestyle I could have was still pretty good for that amount of money. But, you know, I got to a point where I grew so much that I, I hit a cap of clients that I could take on. Sure. And I was happy with the money I was making. I started to become pretty comfortable. And, and I've always been one of those people like you, obviously, who the second you get comfortable, there's a problem. Like you can't, you can't start coasting and be happy. Even if you're making good money and your life is good, you aren't in a happy place. Right. So I got to that point at like, you know, the fifth year of doing a personal training thing and, uh, coasted for another two, three years. Then COVID hit. I moved over here after my business being shut down for like a a year straight, just kind of hanging out and I rebuilt it from scratch here. That's awesome. A year man. later, I'm back at where I was um, at the peak of my business in San Diego, probably because, A, I already had you know a decent amount of relationships and connections to sure. people around here, and, B, I just knew exactly out the gate how to go after it again. Yeah, yeah. So that was great. I'm back to where I was in my comfort zone, my happy place, right? Mm-hmm. The issue I found was at year five or six when I was coasting even in San Diego, that fire in me, that passion, that, that like, wow, I want to do this for the rest of my life was already in a way not burning out, but I knew there was so much more I had to, to accomplish in this life and and so many other routes and, and things I needed to do and wanted to do that I wouldn't wake up as happy. And so, you know, being back here, having this business going, turning 30, was yeah. the big thing for me. Like, turning 30, I actually sat here, and, and this this whole concept of Driven 2 and the podcast and the YouTube channel, all this stuff, has been in my phone's notes and ideas for years now. I just never acted on it. And so finally, when I turned 30, it was really that point in my life where I was like, you're not going to turn 40 years old and look back and have these crazy regrets and have a family and be like, damn it, why am I still a trainer? And, and I never try to pursue anything else, yeah. right? Yeah. So short story long yeah i got to that place where finally i said you know f it i'm going to pursue this i'm still going to be a personal trainer and run my business because i i do still have a passion for that i like it and i love all my clients i like helping people that's why i got into it Mm -hmm. but i need to start this passion project if you'll call it that on the side as well and see where it goes because only good can come from this in the sense that i get to meet incredible people like you i get to you know witnessed so many different opinions and and outlooks and and things on life and if i'm lucky enough this will grow into something where i can help people on a whole different platform and in so many more ways than just being a personal trainer right and and i I had told you i didn't want to scale the personal training business because my reputation and my the way I work, I'm such a perfectionist that God forbid I hired someone to train my clients and they weren't on the caliber that I was, mm-hmm. it, it would kill me. So sure. I, I, I'm not scaling the personal training business. However, driven to, I have a vision for it that's larger in life that I 
am happy to scale given the opportunity, right? Sure. So, uh, yeah, that I just had to say that because it really resonated with me with you saying that. You know what I mean? The, the thing that I feel all humans need inside them is always some type of fire to wake up the next morning and look forward to something, regardless of how much money you have or don't have, right? 100%. I think that freedom, fulfillment, purpose, all those things are like absolutely a necessity for happiness. Like yeah. you sit and we scroll and we're trying to fill a void of some, yeah. something. We're trying to fill a void by swiping, 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 scrolling, scrolling, yeah. scrolling, uh, inevitably to put the phone down and not remember anything that we just watched because 100%. it's just not feeding anything. And so like going after it and following whatever's going to make you happy, whatever, mm. like material possessions from two guys that love expensive cars, like, sure. cool. But I, I argue all the time that fun sports cars, supercars, exotic cars, that is about as close to a thing as like a brand new toy at Christmas time as a kid gives us. Yeah. Because as adults, we have so many adult decisions to make. We have so many things that we kind of have to just schlep through. It's yep. like, what is bringing you joy outside of that? And if you can in infuse the joy within what you do, mm -hmm. that's like a perfect combination. Obviously, there's always going to be ups and downs. But if personal training at a high scale with, you know, 18 trainers and stuff is not what you want to do, nobody forcing you to do it. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. we, we, we strive as entrepreneurs and creatives and builders to make more money and make more and build more and hire more. And it's like you don't need to at all. You right. really don't need to at all unless right. you have financial goals that directly help other people. Like I'm always trying to make a little bit more so I can increase the salaries of all my employees and go on vacations with them and really take care of them and their families. Um, because there comes a point, I, I'm not going to name like dollar amounts, but there comes a point where what you make, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then like, you don't notice anything else because you use that money as a tool. You're like, ah, it's invested over here. It's invested over there. Mm -hmm. It's like 40 years out. Mm -hmm. Cause like how much shit can you buy? Right. So many things like you buy the watches and you buy the cars, you have all this new money. You want, want a jet ski and all this stuff. It's just like, yeah, you're working. You don't have time to enjoy any of it. Right. It's just like, right. and, and at the end of the day, the things that make me happiest is just like hanging out with my dogs, hanging out with my wife. Wife first. <laughs> Not dogs. Not dogs. Dogs are like far distant second. I love dogs. I but love I dogs. love hanging out with my wife, dude. Like my yeah. wife, it's just, ooh, never put dogs in front Good of my wife. You. Ever. I feel like if she I ever feel... watches this, I love you. I love you, babe. <laughs> I hope she watches it. The reason the reason I said the dogs is because uh, I I just absolutely fucking love dogs, man. Like, Me too. Playing, Me too. Like, going on walks, throwing the ball, all that stuff. If you want, if you want to see me go from being like a cool guy, which I'm rarely ever considered, right. to uh, just a total doofus, it's just like put me in a room with some dogs. Same. I'll be like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Same. Oh my god, you're so cute. Like, it's just, I think that the more we can cling on to whatever makes us happy doesn't have to be a monetary thing though i would be a complete liar and a, a, a just very dishonest if i said that money can't provide more opportunities for a, a whole lot of other people one like if, if if the business brings in for basic numbers if the business yep. brings in hundred thousand dollars in profit and i could take the hundred thousand dollars in profit after everybody's paid after mm. everybody's taken care of after taxes are paid and say i'm gonna take twenty thousand of that and buy software packages and keyboards and art supplies and digital tablets and stuff like that and give it to a boys and girls club. Okay, cool. I'm off to the next thing. Tax write-off. Right, right. You know, tax avoidance is not tax evasion. Well, you're impacting other people. Right. Like, 
you know what it's like when a kid walks up to your car and you're like, yeah, you could sit in it. And it's like, oh my God, you literally could have changed that kid's life in the entire projection. Yes, sir. Just with the resources. So I'm a firm believer in if you are a piece of shit, Without money, you'll be a huge piece of shit with money. But if you're a good person without money, you can do more with Facts, it. Facts, 100%. Because you can pour back into what you actually care about. 100%. And beyond you and beyond your, your direct touch. You know what I mean? So it's like that's that's what drives me on days where I'm just like, I don't have to do any of this stuff. Like I don't really feel like doing it. It's like, no, take care of your people. You know, Stay sharp. And then through all this work, long term, you can help a boatload of people and have a crazy ripple effect i don't believe in legacy too too much i'm kind of in the alex hermosi mindset of like three four generations from now nobody will remember who the hell we are it's just Mm. like take care of grandkids maybe great caring kids now but like i don't know who my great great like i I, kind of know but like they had no direct impact in how i was raised like on me obviously through grandparents parents instill but I think that if we could focus on being as selfish as possible so that we could serve as many people as possible, that's the way to do it instead of getting wrapped up in politics and religion and everything else. Focus on you, your family, and how you could take all your skill sets to make as much as freaking possible to then take care of as many people as possible or things that are important. 100%. 100%. Well, and let me tell you something, man. Honestly, I – I can't thank you enough for for the willingness to be on this podcast and to be the first guest because literally what drives you, you guys probably can't see it from here, but that's my thing for Driven 2, what drives you, right? Merch now available in the description box (laughs) below. You got any hookups to make merch? Yeah, we could talk about that. Awesome. Um, But you literally answered the question without me even asking it because that's what I'll be asking everyone on the podcast is what drives you, and your answer could not have been any more perfect in terms of what your purpose and why you know is and why you're working so hard towards everything and i also want to mention based on what you just said it's funny because lately i've been seeing on social media a lot this topic of people asking does money buy happiness and uh shout out ernesto and anthony i think uh yeah ernesto and anthony they run i don't know have you guys heard of the podcast money buys happiness no but i will check it out dope podcast two dudes from uh canada and they, I think, now are partnered up with Full Send, the Nelk Boys. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, their podcast is called Money Buys Happiness. Uh-huh. And they always ask the the, the uh, guest on their podcast at the end, so what do you think of our name? Does Money Buy Happiness, right? Yeah. I heard something recently. I can't recall who said it, but it was probably the best answer to that question ever. And it's it was simply money does buy happiness. Why? Not because you can buy more materialistic things and and you are more powerful or or whatever, because the more money you have, the more happiness you can provide. And, and, you know, the example given was who's going to sit here and disagree with, you know, seeing your parents struggle uh, with their nine to five job and being able to walk into their house one day and say, hey, guys, uh, go ahead and retire because I'm going to pay for your house and your bills the rest of your life. Sure. That buys happiness, right? Yeah. Cars buy short-term happiness. Yeah. Watches buy short-term happiness. But being able to help people, that does not only provide happiness for the person helping, but also the person being helped. So, you know, that in itself has really put into perspective so much more why money doesn't have to be the root of all evil because that's what everyone paints money to be Mm -hmm. right unfortunately i just feel like we're in a world where a lot of people do become greedy and become 
ugly people through money and success, yeah. but money really do- you can't help people if you can't help yourself. I've said that for years. Yeah, definitely. And I like there's been so many situations that I've been in in my life and other people I've witnessed where they're giving every last dollar they have to their family or friend or whatever trying to help they're struggling themselves. If if they took some time, took a step back, were mm-hmm. a little selfish, right? Yeah. And became successful himself, they could help these people 10 times more. And that I think is the ultimate goal for anyone that's as driven as we are, right? Is like sure. getting to that place. Yeah, I think I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man. I think that if you can provide for others selflessly because you know it will impact their life in a genuine way, like growing up relatively poor, I mean, I'm, mm. I, I say relatively because I never want to make my parents feel bad for doing, right, doing right. their best, but it's like, you know, you understand the value of a dollar. You understand what it's like to have all generic cereals, hand-me-down clothes, Goodwill runs. Luckily, I was the oldest of three boys, so shout out to my brothers. They got all my hand-me-down clothes. Mm-hmm. But you get to a point where, I think that it's it's very typical for families to teach you that people with money are evil, people with money are greedy, yeah. people with money don't care about you, and that couldn't be further from the truth. There's a whole right. lot of there's a whole lot of greedy, selfish pieces of crap that don't care about anybody else, else lack empathy, and lack care for other people that don't have any money. Right, and they're right. they're the ones that are out there just complaining about X Y Z. So there's good people, there's bad people. That's all there is. There's good people that are rich. There's good people that are poor. There's bad people that are rich. There's bad Hit people the that are poor. It's what can you do in the time span that you have with the resources you have. Mm-hmm. I always say use what you have till what you have pays for what you want. Go after it because either you can, you know, the, the cost of working so many years and crawling through all the mud, crawling through all the shit to be able to then watch those harvests grow is a whole lot less work and a whole lot less taxing on your mental uh your, your mental bandwidth, then all the regret of going from 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, all those decades saying, I'm going to do this. One day I'll do this. When I, when I hit the lotto, when I win the lottery, I talk to a lot of people that are like, I just need a record deal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, would you be happy with like a $500,000 advance, something like that? Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Okay, cool. If you were working a $50,000 job for 10 years, you'd make that. True. If you're making 100000 you work for five years. Now, don't get me wrong. It's, 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 it's different, obviously. But what could you do with that? Because I know a lot of people, including myself, that made a little bit of money in my 20s. And I made a lot more money in my 20s. And I, dude, I pissed it all away at first. Yeah. I, I bought it. The first month that I ever made over $10,000 selling beats online, I went and bought a used Rolex GMT. <laughs> Three months after that, in, in sequence, slowest months that I had experienced since while i had to go take that that uh, rolex back it? it was like i bought it from like a luxury pawn shop the guy was super nice i don't remember his name but uh i went in there like with my hat in my hand i'm like hey uh i need to i need to sell this back to you because like things have not been going great and luckily he gave me exactly what i had paid he's like i know you'll be back and i never was back sorry but you learn quick it's yeah. just like it's not about everybody has different motivations yeah. Some people just want yeah. a ton of money. Some people just want 18 vacation houses. Some people want to travel the world, retire at 30. All that stuff's cool. You can't judge other people for their motivations. Absolutely not. As long as they're not a piece of crap at the end of the day while doing it. Which is subjective. Because there's some people that would call me a piece of crap for having a car like that. 
industry. All of the yeah. ozone CO2 or O2 uh, uh, emissions and yeah. stuff. Or you know how many turkeys you could have bought for people with that money? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. And that's the end of the podcast. No, I'm just <laughs> no but like in, re- in reality, you can't yeah. please everybody. That's my point. You can't yeah. please your parents. You can't yeah. please your siblings. Their life is not your life. Yeah. I, I read or, or heard somewhere, uh, probably one of the only TikToks that stuck with me if it was on TikTok, is like everybody in your life has a different version of the reality of who you are. Yeah. Because our reality is only from behind the eyes. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has an experience with you here when you're frustrated, experience over here when you were just in the best mood of your life, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And you are, to them, that pocket of experience. So yeah. you can't possibly please everybody with a YouTube video. You can't possibly please everybody with, excuse me, with a, a foundation of any sort. Because if you're helping the kids, well, why aren't you helping these people? So, like, you focus on you, again, being incredibly selfish with the things you care about because your right. life is your life. Right. And then you impact the people that you want to impact hopefully right. in a very positive, great way. Mm-hmm. Work your face off. Enjoy the rewards of all the risks that you take. Call it a day, man. Take care of yeah. you and your family and your dogs. Lots of dogs. Yes, I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Shout out to the dogs. Have your pet spayed and neutered. Not a sponsor. That's actually a good one, too. Yeah. Very good. Bob Barker. Taking Which, it back. Adopt, don't shop, right? That's another one. Both of my dogs adopt, were shopped. Adopt, don't shop. But I'd have rescued dogs <laughs> in the past. You can't. Okay. It's hard to find a doodle at a... Freaking rescue. Facts. I mean, I don't even know if you can call my dog a dog because it's a <laughs> seven-pound little rat that is technically – it's a Chewini. It's a Chihuahua wiener well, dog. my parents mix. had a Chewini, yeah. But this was like a wild little dog running on the streets of San Diego that uh, I'm pretty sure came across the border from Mexico. Wow. Doesn't even speak English. <laughs> I've taught – actually, I've taught her to speak German at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. Guten Tag. Guten Tag, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know very much uh, – you did say a German word earlier that I was going to say, uh, and I forgot what it was. Probably but schlep or... Uh, schlep, yeah, schlep. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, yeah, that uh, that's a whole other story. That that little dog was actually run over by a crackhead on a bike in downtown San Diego. Before you kicked the habit? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's another day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought I was going to lose that dog. But like eight or $9,000 later, that this was like a couple of weeks before I was supposed to move here. Yeah. Uh, Dog got run over one night, had to take it to the hospital, almost died. But, like, yeah, eight or nine grand later, we wow. saved his life, and uh, she's doing better than ever now. This is what you get here. for adopting. You just find a breeder. <laughs> just kidding. Totally kidding. I loved – I mean, yeah. I grew up with dogs ever since I can remember. Had dogs, little dogs, big dogs, our dogs now. I have a golden doodle and a Bernadoodle. The Bernadoodle Cooper is, like, 105 pounds, something like that. Daisy's about 60 pounds. Little, gorgeous, uh, yeah. Golden doodle. She's the sweetest thing ever. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's just like, again, focus on what makes you happy, not what you think is going to be cool. So many people, including yep. myself at one point, was like, you know, I had a fitness apparel brand in 2016 to 2018. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted to be, I'll, I'll say it now, like I wanted to be uh, the next kind of like a Christian Guzman. Like, Love I was so guy. inspired by him. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were, because there's a lot of other brands yeah. that came out. And I came to the point, I'm like, my whole ethos was that I was making fitness apparel for everybody. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the market, you're like, not all the sizing is going to work for that mm-hmm. concept. And then I'm like, not, I'm, I'm having all these you know, pieces of cut and sew garments made that fit me great. But now if somebody's 6'4 and a little bit different in, in, in right. body type, it doesn't look good. So. Yeah. 
I was doing it for the wrong reasons and I was getting exhausted and not feeling fulfilled in I still have probably twelve grand worth of inventory sitting in my Do garage. You really? Yeah, yeah. Joggers and hoodies and oh, listen, all man. sorts of stuff. Hey. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I mean, come over one day. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you I'll up. Shop, I'll hook shop both of you guys up. Yeah, yeah. What's um, up? But yeah, so it's like you gotta you gotta just follow what makes you happy. You gotta follow what makes sense, and yeah. don't always you know it's it's cliche now, but don't always follow your passions because if you're not fucking good at your passions, it makes no sense. This is true too. There's a lot of people out there rapping yeah. right now. There's a whole lot of people out there that are doing. Uh, what craft channels or you know makeup channels that would be really good engineers or doctors but how do you know you're not good for something i, I think if you I, do it long enough and you never get any positive feedback if you do something long mm. enough it's just not working you have to shift yeah that's you a have good to point. shift that's a good point if you do 200 videos on youtube you spend five years of your life doing 200 videos and they're you're not gaining any subscribers you're not getting any engagement. Something's obviously off. Something, yeah. either your approach, your delivery, yeah. your placement, your market. you got to have the message market match. Yeah. If your ma- message doesn't match with the market, you don't have a business. Mm-hmm. You have a hobby. So, like, a lot of people are, like, uh, entrepreneurs, and they really want to have a business. Yeah. But they're just a long-term hobby because they don't realize through their own pride or ego or whatever that looks like. This might not be. This might not be for me. I might not be a number one. Maybe I'm a great number two for mm-hmm. somebody else that I can help build a business with them. Maybe I'm a great number four, and I just contribute these puzzle pieces to help an organization. But I think it's really cool and sexy to talk about. You should start a business. You need to do this. Do that. Not a lot of people are built for it. No, that's that's true. Not a lot of people I've are learned built that for too. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude to not have any guarantees. Oh, to not know how the next month financially is going to look to mm-hmm. not know if you're going to be able to take care of all the people on your payroll sometimes. I mean, look, hopefully if you run a good business, hopefully that's not a thing, but any successful business started as that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, man, that's uh facts. It's my story and I'm sticking to facts. it. I could sit here and talk for another three hours. Oh, me too. Stuff, I, I don't know how long we've been going, but maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll call it there and then I'll bring you back for a second one. Eventually. Yeah, that sounds but, good, man. You know what I mean? From I, your studio. Absolutely. Or I can just start renting this out. If you're interested in starting a podcast and you need a studio space, this is not actually available for any of you guys. I was going to say, okay, there you go. Oh, this is an Alex exclusive. Alex exclusive. I'll come by next time and put my logo here and then we'll swap them back. Yeah, we've talked about making like a a see-through thing where people can put their logos. That's genius. Yeah, that might work. That is genius. Anyway, we need to have another one where we talk about the car side of things. Absolutely, which, nice transition. (laughs) Speaking of, guys... After this podcast wraps up, which it's about to, we're actually going to go out and film a dope little video edit of his car, kind of talk about his car, go cruise around in it and whatnot. So uh, definitely go check that video out as well. Um, but before we wrap up, biggest thing I want to touch on real quick, the the Adam Ivy Foundation you said it was called? Yeah. So the Adam Ivy Foundation, um, is that something currently where – the viewers can go ahead and donate to already, or how is that set up? Right, so it's a 503C. We, we're internally funded right now, so okay. every quarter we put money from the businesses into the foundation, cool. and then the disbursements and how that, how that money's used mm-hmm. is kind of uh, between myself and the, the board of directors, which okay. you, you have to have a board of directors. It's just it's like some of my best friends in the world. But okay. um, we are going to be setting it up, but we didn't want to have a button or anywhere for people to donate before we're actually telling the story on why it matters. That makes sense, yeah. Because it's like, hey, give us money. It's like, no, we got to tell the story first. Yeah. We have to kind of be the, the leader, and then if people feel so inclined, 
you know, they know that anytime they support one of the businesses, uh, that that also supports children in need. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have some, we have some pretty exciting ideas. One of my bucket list things is to have a, have a, be able to buy a chunk of land to donate it for a park in a, in a, because there's no kids outside anymore. So it's like, I need to be able to do something where I can encourage kids, whether that be in an impoverished area or a suburb or all of said, you know, all the above, um, because, I, dude, I grew up on my bike. I grew up Same. outside. I grew up playing football and baseball and fishing and all sorts of things. I was in martial arts for 12 years. So it's like there's so many different things. I was heavy into fitness. I was a certified personal trainer in 2008. So, like, you got to get away from screens. Hold on. Back up. You're yeah. a trainer, too? For, like, this long. I, I, I did okay. all the training through ACE. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm certified yeah, by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to ACE. Guys, also, I saw him flex his tricep oh, in the lighting. Well, hold on. Hold on. The lighting definitely... Is I can't even. It's all right. this, is, this is a fake arm. It's a prosthetic. It's makeup. Um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the gym in my garage that I spend too much time in sometimes. But uh, you know, I think that. And, and side note, the little story behind that. If anybody's wondering, uh, I went to become a personal trainer because Christine, the person that was managing the Gold's Gym in Altamont Springs, said, "Hey, if you become a trainer, we'd love." Like I was there all the time. They're like, "You'd be a great trainer." Mm. And then you start realizing that they make you walk around a parking lot all day handing out flyers and free training sessions and i was like no and that was actually right at the same time that the economy was crashing and i'm like i don't want to do this like i love training i will help my friends and my family whatever like i feel not interested in doing it long term um but that's the thing you got to go after it to see if you like it sometimes 100 percent. fitness will always be a huge part of my life and um I feel like Same that, with cars and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, as builders, it's like you could build your body, you could build a car, you could build a business, you could build relationships. 100%. It's like the, I think we gravitate towards that stuff. We could build uh, videos and podcasts and stuff like this. So it's all we're always tinkering. It's always about progressing. That's really what it comes down to. So absolutely, yeah, man. Thanks again, seriously, Adam. Of course, I appreciate it's you. been this, fun, dude. This was the perfect first podcast. So, guys, thank you, thank you for tuning in. Um, make sure. Go Hold ahead, on. Go ahead. If you guys haven't yet. Subscribe to this guy's channel. Make sure to hit that that, little plus button on the Apple Podcast app if you found it there. Thank you. Leave a five-star review. Come check me out. Adam Ivy everywhere. I'll leave it at that. We'll have the link below this, hopefully. I'm, like, directing it. I love it. I love it. This is the first episode. I'm trying to mentor a little bit. We can see who the amateur and the pro is Where can people find you? They, so you guys can find me at uh, Driven2 on every platform. So TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, just DRVN. Two, yep, the T-O. editor will put that up on the screen right now. <laughs> and then uh, my personal Instagram, Driven by Alex, D-R-V-N by Alex. But, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. Likewise, man. You guys will see more of him, I'm sure. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Let's go uh, flip to the car shots, and you guys tune into that. All right, until next time, man. See you guys. See you guys.